you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get a little more sleep. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home, in your warm, comfortable bed, than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on this Sunday morning sleep-in podcast. You'll still miss out on intergenerational community and the support and encouragement that brings, and some inspiring music and charming children at children's time. And we won't be able to give you cookies, and you won't see firsthand our worship tricks, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We are not theological experts or perfect preachers. We are your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast, so if you're away from home or working or perhaps out coaching one of your kids' teams, or maybe just sleeping in after a hard week, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon that one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, uh, we hope that you receive it with an open mind and an open heart. A quick note on that open mind. We're serious about it. We really do want you to have an open mind, but also to think with your mind. And then we encourage you to question and disagree and figure out what you think about what we're talking about. But it is our sincere hope that you will experience in the midst of this mysterious loving force that we know in the world as God moving in your life you consider this. All right. Well, so it's still Pentecost. Still Pentecost? It's still Pentecost. And uh, Pentecost is a Hebrew holiday Uh that commemorates when Moses brought the Ten Commandments down from the mountain to help. And it tends to to align with like the first harvest, right? I think. Uh, I don't know. I think it, I think it has to do with, it correlates with the, with the first set of harvests like we were seeing last week in the in the central valley of california right all the hay harvest the hay harvest and that that's what you bring oh that's cool to the temple and light it on fire <laughs> i don't know if that's a thing um I think so, that's the christian so, side <laughs> so pentecost is really about the jewish pentecost is about recognizing that god has given us ways to live together in community well right and that took the form of the ten commandments um so then the christian pentecost comes along and it's several thousand years later And the disciples, uh, we told that story in the last podcast, the disciples are all sitting around waiting for the next thing to happen and trying to be ready for it. And there's this like loud whooshing sound and they say that things that look like fire are on each of them. And they start speaking all these different languages to all these different people who have gathered for this Pentecost festival to talk about how do we live together as community. And in the midst of that, these disciples are saying... We have what, an idea. We have, a, we have an option. <laughs> Here's what we've just experienced. Um, and so, you know, that's that's the story of Pentecost. And uh, the lectionary that we've been talking about for several episodes now is yeah. this three-year cycle of scripture. And so you're going to get that Acts that story. That Acts is one of those ones that comes up every year. Every year. High Holy Day. Go, oh, okay. Yeah, High Holy Day. How do I tell this story again this year? Um, but the Old Testament story changes. Mm-hmm. And because I've told the New Testament story for three years in a row, I decided to take a break from it this year and tell an older story that is not specifically about Pentecost, but is Pentecosti. Pentecosti. Well, Pentecosti. it has some connection in that it has Moses in it, right? It has Moses in it. It's about celebration of the Spirit. It's a good Pentecost story. There's there's, there's reasons that, that it might have been chosen to be coupled with. Right. Yes. The, the, uh, the connections are pretty obvious, but it's probably not a story you've heard right, unless not. you are somebody who follows the lectionary obsessively. So I want to mm-hmm. first, we're going to first read the story and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. So the context for the story is 
uh, Moses has led the, the Hebrew people out of Egypt. Yep. And they are on the road, on in the on wilderness. On the road again. We've agreed that we're not supposed to sing during the podcast because it makes people's eyes bleed. Um, but, but, uh, their eyes bleed, not their ears? Wow, we're well, impressive. Um, the, uh, the Moses guy, is he's taking people through the wilderness. Right. And they're going to wander there for 40 years because they have some unlearning to do. Yes. So it's you don't just like leave slavery and go start a new life and don't live in the same patterns that you were living in in slavery. Right. right. Every time we leave any kind of abusive or unhealthy situation... We have some unlearning to do right. before we learn anyway. So they're out in the wilderness for 40 years unlearning what it means to think lowly of themselves, what it means to treat them each other with abuse, what, what it means to do all those things. And I don't know if they have the Ten Commandments yet at this point. I didn't actually look at that. But, <laughs> I was going to say, where are we on with that? But yeah. they're wandering through the desert and they are whining and complaining because this is one of the things they do. They have this entitlement thing going on. And so... They are whining and complaining to Moses that, yeah, 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 we know God is magically feeding us every day with manna from heaven. And manna means, what is it? <laughs> so with the question from heaven, they're fed on questions. They're fed on this like flaky white stuff that falls from the sky that satisfies their nutritional needs. Right. But they want a steak. Right. Dang it. They want a hot dog at the ballpark. They want some meat. And they are frustrated that God has not also made meat rain from the sky. So they are whining to Moses about this. Well, Moses is trying to get them to see the big picture. Right. Guys, this is what we're trying picture? to do. This is the plan. I know that we're not, we don't have meat every week, but that's not the point. And, and it's hard because they keep criticizing him for all of these things. Right. And so Moses is also whining and complaining. Uh, uh, whining as, and complaining. You as you tend to do when you are faced with whining and complaining, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's contagious. And so he's also complaining to God about this. And so God decides to kind of knock it out with a fell swoop. He sends quail for the people to have meat. Okay. And he... That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. For a return. I don't know how exactly he did that. And then... Um, I just... And we keep saying he, but obviously we don't think God is male. Right. And, um, and then Moses, to help Moses' problem of leadership... The best way that I know how to get people to stop complaining about the way ministry is done is to put them in charge of it. Yes. So when you have somebody who complains about the way that we do uh, welcoming or children's ministry or whatever, it's like, well, if you have so many great ideas about how this should happen, why don't you do something constructive rather than just critical and help us build a better program? God decides the fix for Moses is not to scold everybody for complaining, but to give other people leadership. some some leadership, some power, and some agency to claim for themselves. Right. And it also, really, when you look at it, is part of that unlearning process, right? Yeah. That it's not a been, hierarchy. It's not a hierarchy that, that we can we can do this, but we gotta all do, gotta all have some skin in the game. Right. So this is what's happened. So Moses is supposed to pick 70 people, mm-hmm. elders of the... Gotta love that number. 70 great number um it's the perfect number it's the most amazing number you'll ever hear trust me and he gathers them all around the tent which is the holy place it's where the it is where the ten commandments are are. yeah so this is is, it's post ten commandments it's a good pentecost story this is Um, where god is living. where god is supposed to live in this tent when they're on the road so there's the camp and then there's the tent right and so they all gather at the tent the holy place and this is what happens so moses went out and told the people the words of the lord and he gathered 70 elders of the people and placed them all around the tent. 
Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. I like that they have to add that, like just the one time. They're not actually in charge. Just the one time. Verse 26 continues. Two men remained in the camps, one named Eldad and the other named Medad, and the spirit rested on them. And they were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, the assistant of Moses, one of his chosen ones, said, My Lord Moses, stop them. (laughs) But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel return to the camp. Mm. And so it's, it's this whole story about there's these 70 people who are supposed to be gathered around this tent who are the, they are the ones who are supposed to have the spirit. Right. But then there's these two guys who like wrote the wrong date on their calendar and didn't show up for the meeting and they're back in the camp and God still moves on them and they mm-hmm. still are able to speak the truth of God and to see the will of God and to see the big picture that Moses sees right. and maybe get snap out of their complaining a little bit, even though they're not in the right place at the right time. Right. And I love that the reaction to that is, well, that's not supposed to happen. Let's let's, let's keep it in the box. Let's stamp it out. Right? right. And Make Moses, it stop. Moses has the most beautiful response in the world, which is, oh man, I wish I wish everybody could would this. see this big picture. I wish everybody would speak this truth. I wish everybody would do this and not just, you know, these 70, right. uh, these 70 folks. So right. this is the story from Numbers 11, 24 to 30. And Um, And I love this story. It cracks me up as a pastor and as a pastor who has seen other pastors at work who are sometimes jealous for their authority um, and who feel the need to kind of to wrangle rather than to empower. Right. Sometimes you have to do a little wrangling, but like, but have a hard time giving up giving up control control of how the community functions together. Right. In order. And and oftentimes that stays, it keeps you in the way of of anybody else actually seeing the image of, of what could be. Yeah, absolutely. And so on this Pentecost, when we celebrate the spirit moving, we're not just celebrating the spirit moving inside of the walls that we construct to give us space to do the work. Yeah. We are celebrating the spirit moving and helping people speak the truth even outside of those spaces um, that God moves and and teaches us through prophets who are not part of our traditions, our our churches, our denominations, our religions, um, that there are people who help us hear what we need to hear in order to have the big picture. And so um, it was graduation Sunday for us. And we had um, three of the four graduates were there. And one of them is aspiring to be an animator for... Uh-huh. motion pictures. Wonderful. One of them aspires to be a zoologist and study climate change, particularly when it comes to penguins. Why not? And one of them wants to go into construction and build, he loves building beautiful things. Ah, oh, wonderful. And, um, and like all, like all these kids are so different and all of those, um, fields that they're going mm-hmm. into are so cool. Right. And so I wanted to affirm them and also to say, you, whatever field you're going into, you have the ability to be a prophet, to speak the truth, to hold on to the bigger picture, and to help create a world where community lives in love and joy and peace and justice. Okay. And so I told stories about artists mm-hmm. and scientists and people who build. Wonderful. Um, so the, the stories that I told, um, the first one was, you know, the prophets who speak the truth to us through art. Yeah. And I talked about 
oh, there's an, I'll, I'll put all the links, um, in, in the, on the website, but Chicago's own Harmonia Rosales is a woman whose sort of mission in life is to create positive images for people of color in oh, familiar great. stories. So you'll oh. see her take old fairy tales uh-huh. and the characters in the fairy tales aren't German and French and British. They're black and, and Latino and, uh, they just come from different places, you know, mm-hmm. to help us see ourselves in these stories and not always as the bad guys. Right. And, um, and so she painted the creation of Adam. Oh yeah. And yeah, in yeah, the creation yeah. of Adam, both Adam and God are painted as black women mm. and God is an older black woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, oh my gosh, it's such a powerful image because clearly if God created humanity in the image of God, then God is not white or not just white. Right. God is not male or not just, just male. male. Uh, God is not young or old. Uh, God is not just young or just old. Um, that God is bigger than that. And if we have different images for God, it helps us to break out of uh, the, the underlying biases that we carry Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. that make us into good guys and bad guys. Right. So when we have a God who looks like a black woman instead of Zeus, uh, the Greek thunderbolt throwing white right. man, uh, it helps us to not inherently put right. intrinsic authority into yeah. certain kinds of people and not into other kinds of people. Well, and and the, the, it strikes me that there would be some Pentecost, you know, some Holy Spirit moving, um, if we realized that we could carry different images of God and mm-hmm. maybe all at the same time, but yeah. especially at different points in our lives. Absolutely. Right. Like when we're young and we need, we need to understand that God understands us. Right. We can, you know, we could carry an image of God that, that, that looks like us. Yeah. Or, or maybe looks like the extreme version of us even. Yeah. Um, and as we're older to realize that God, you know, like, like, like all of that, Mm-hmm. is so awakening and enlivening. Yeah, totally. To be, well, to be able to have a positive image of yourself. Yeah. Right. And no matter what, no matter what. And we talked to, I mean, we talked several weeks ago about the negative images that the Roman empire used to keep mm-hmm. Jews and all the other countries that they conquered kind of under their thumb. Oh, right. That's by right. just, just destroying their self-esteem. Right. And their self-worth. And so to empower is to do the opposite. And if we think about Pentecost is not just an occasion where the disciples started speaking different languages, but gave the story to people of different socioeconomic statuses, statuses. different freedom statuses, different backgrounds. Right. Like it, it mentions, right? It mentions that there are Romans in yeah. that crowd, right? Yeah. Which means citizen. Yeah, right. there are people who are citizens and not citizens. And not citizens. And, there are, and there's a, there, that list in there also encourages us, if we can hear that, mm-hmm. of people of different races, of different you know, yeah. looks. I mean... It's like this incredibly diverse crowd. Right. And, and all of them uh, have the power, mm-hmm. right? All of them have the power. And so, uh, so Chicago's Harmonia Rosal is doing amazing work. I wanted, I told my congregation a funny story because I always tell them at least one funny story Good. and see if they get it. Sometimes they don't get it, why I think it's funny, but <laughs> that's okay. That's me being a prophet to myself. Um, so in 1989, after the stock market crashed in 1987, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Arturo de, de Modica, who is an Italian artist, mm-hmm. put a piece of guerrilla art on Wall Street mm-hmm. in order to celebrate the strength and the resilience 
and the power of the American people to recover after that crash, mm-hmm. he planted Charging Bull. Now, you've seen Charging Bull in movies about New York. It's a, it's a landmark. Right. Um, there's a particularly funny scene in Hitch where somebody gets punched in the face and rests against a particularly hilarious part of Charging Bull. Um, <laughs> there's, there's all these moments uh, that we, we know we would right. recognize right. this thing. But and so was, we don't think of it as guerrilla. We don't think of it as guerrilla because it's been established now, right. right? But in 1989, it was guerrilla art. Uh, in 2016, in 2016, another artist got a permit and added so, another I. statue. Not gorilla. Not gorilla art. Added another statue to Statue Row on Wall Street. And it's a statue of a diminutive young woman who is standing arms akimbo, chest flung out, chin raised high, defiantly against this bull. She is not afraid, and it's called Fearless Girl, and it was done by an artist named Kristen Visbal. And it's a really about the fact that there's over 25% of the companies that are traded on Wall Street that don't even have a woman on the board. Oh. Um, and so there's still this glass ceiling, mm-hmm. you know, in the business world uh, where women are not invited into places of power. And uh, and the women who fight their way into places of power get lots of choice names. Yes, they And do. so this Fearless Girl was really, it was to call out wall street and it was also an empowering image for young women and so and, you, and an empowering image for sort of the underdog feeling of 2016 oh totally right and so, and so it has become a wildly popular like photo op for people like they go to wall street and take a picture with fearless girl and um, so you see all different kinds of people old women young women men boys all these people taking pictures with fearless girl uh, my favorite is if you Google Fearless Girl images, you, there's a Girl Scout troop and they're all standing, arms akimbo, <laughs> chest flung out, chin raised high next to Fearless Girl. And they look so proud, you know, and so hopeful. And I, I just love that picture. So so Kristen Visbal, she put this this statue. Well, of course, Arturo de Monica is not happy about it. He's actually suing to get it removed. Um, and that's when the story came up about, well, yours is not permitted. Yeah. Like charging bull is not permitted. And so... So if we're um, going to so remove the, something, maybe it's not the girl. <laughs> yeah, so the compromise uh, was that in in 2018, they'll remove Fearless Girl. She's a temporary statue. I'm sure she'll move someplace else. Yeah. But, um, but she's a temporary statue. Well, another artist, a third artist, mm-hmm. didn't think this was soon enough and was convinced that Fearless Girl was pointless and it was political and it was you know, the horrible feminazi agenda and right, right, right. it's made up corporate nonsense and there's no reason. How can it be all of those things? <laughs> and it's, uh, it compromises the integrity of raging, of charging bull, which of course it does, right? right? It changes the meaning of charging bull. And so Alex Gardega this year put a third sculpture. Gorilla, right? Gorilla. Did not have permits for it, clearly, of a urinating dog who was aiming at fearless girl and he only left it up for three hours. It was so wildly unpopular <laughs> and it wasn't permitted that he had to take it down. But I think all three of these artists tell us something about who we are, mm-hmm. about how we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, the point of art right, is to speak the truth. And I think charging bull is the truth. I think the Americans are, we are, yeah, we, we are, are strong. A, we are a bull in a china shop. Sometimes. We can sometimes be a bull in a china shop, both the good parts and the bad parts of that. I think fearless girl is true. I think that we have so many women who are fighting to just live their lives and mm-hmm. to live the lives that they want to live and not the lives that they're being told they should live. And if you need stats about why there's still inequality in the world, if you don't believe me, uh, go ahead and write to our email address and I'll <laughs> send you, I'll send you lots of stuff. 
Um, and also the urinating dog. I think that tells us the truth that, that an artist would feel bold enough to say it's okay to degrade a female in public. Right. That this is not a problem, that the, that the denial is still that strong. Yeah. I think tells us something about who we are. And so each one of those sculptures is prophecy for us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so art can really, yep. you know, it can teach us about ourselves if we're willing to look. Yeah. It's a way of, the spirit coming in and moving and waking us up. I think it's really interesting. The other the other piece of that is that the artist of raging of whatever the full name is, um, raging bull. I know. Like I think that was a Native American chief. Yeah. yeah charging bull. Charging bull. Charging bull. Um. Thank you. I think there's some. You also have. To, we also have to name that uh, the untruth of saying that just because I created it means I know the meaning. Right. That I can determine the meaning. Well, we took a class in seminary called Art and Religion. Yep. And what they told us was anybody who interprets art is an artist. Right. Because you create your own meaning when you look at a piece. Right. And so no, there is not just one meaning of anything. That there's spirituality in all of that. There's mm-hmm. a connection to God in, in all of that. So, mm-hmm. but I just, I just, I, mean, I heard you saying, oh, he's so mad that it determined, you know, the piece. Changed like, the piece, the integrity of the, the piece. piece. And I'm like, the piece has already been changed, right. right? Like its location and its iconic now, iconic status, right? Have changed says it. something different about than a gorilla statue, statue right? <laughs> right. So, because, cause, so cause you can be co-opted. both. You can be both a strong force in the economy and also a force in the world economy that treads over people. Yeah. You know, like we can be both of those things at the same right. time. Right. So, so, so we talked about artists as prophets. Yep. We talked about. Scientists as prophets, uh, much more broadly, uh, because I realized I was running out of time. Um, <laughs> but that scientists study the natural world around us and help us make decisions to improve our health, to take care of our environment, which was the first thing God ever called us to do was to care for our world. Yeah. Um, that help us uh, make decisions that are are good for the most number of people that they can possibly be good for. And scientists also recognize and help us understand that when we ignore the signs of strife, either mm-hmm. in our own bodies, in our communities, or in our environment, yep. the first people who are affected are the most vulnerable. And that includes the poor, it includes women and children, it includes in our country, people of color, mm-hmm. and it includes you know people who live along the shores, people who live on islands, people who, yeah. uh, all of that, like that, that scientists help us have scope for what are the decisions I'm actually making and how do they actually affect the world and how do they affect me? And they try and teach us the truth about the world so that we can make better decisions and live together better. Yeah. And so that is, that is a calling and that is a prophecy, particularly when we have an administration that keeps wanting to cut budgets for science, um, budgets for education. Uh, It's important for us to recognize that knowledge, knowledge knowledge is still important. Yeah. Yeah. And to uphold that. Um, and the third uh, group of people that I brought up were um, people who work in helping professions. Mm-hmm. So people who are either healthcare workers or therapists or um, social workers, but all of the people who help us to learn the truth about ourselves, mm-hmm. really. Um, therapists particularly help you to, to hold up a mirror and to look and say, okay, what are the things that are good and what are the things that need work? Yeah. And, um, and all, of those, all of those profits who help us to learn the truth about our world, our society, our environment, um, that we need all of them. That the truth is not just contained in a book that was, you know, sealed off 2000 years ago, uh, but in the lives of every person around us. And we need to be able to see that. So I told the graduates, whatever field you're going into, speak the truth, speak the truth, 
listen to good mentors. Don't let the naysayers get you down. Uh, and then do what you call to do. I said when, when somebody criticizes you, say thank you. <laughs> and move on. And move on. Um, uh, I told a story about Harmonia Rosales, who wrote, who did the creation of Adam, and uh, and they said, what do you, you know, what do you say to critics? And she said, thank you, because it confirms in me the need for us to have more images like this. Yeah. Um, and not in a passive aggressive way, but you know, thank you for speaking up because now I know that I this, know my work is not my this, work is still valuable. This I'm is my call. That. Yeah, this is my call. Um, and so, you know, I just said, stand up for yourselves. And then I talked about Wonder Woman because I could not help myself. Of course you oh, couldn't. Oh, so good. I mean, it was so good. And there's also problematic things about it, which I won't ruin it um, by getting into. But but the fact that the entire movie of Wonder Woman could be summarized by everybody else around her, people who love her, mm-hmm. her, her mom, her community, her coaches, everybody saying over and over again, Diana, mm, I don't think that's a good idea. No, no, that's not that's not for you. You're not able to handle that. You don't need to handle that. That's not your job. Um, over and over and over again, both gods and Amazons and humans are all saying, Diana, no, mm-hmm, over mm-hmm. and over again. And the entire movie is Diana saying, Diana, yes. You know, <laughs> Diana can do this. Diana, yes. Diana has something to say. And it doesn't mean that it's, it's um, embedded in uh, whether or not the people who hear it will listen. Yeah. Uh, but she still has something to say and that that's important too. So I said, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, speak the truth. It's important. And that was the end. Perfect. And I said, and help us to create a church that speaks the truth too. Yeah. So that was the sermon on Sunday. Perfect. It wasn't as perfect as it could have been. It was the <laughs> first week back. <laughs> oh. So thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to what we've been discussing today, perhaps you have some feedback about Wonder Woman for Chris, <laughs> shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at Sunday Morning Sleep-In or uh, on our website at sundaymorningsleepin.com. Uh, our podcasts are available on all sorts of wonderful places that you would look for podcasts, so look for them there. Look for it there. Um, and the scripture for this passage was Numbers 11, 24 to 30. And uh, the music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. So I also lit some stuff on fire on Sunday. Yes. We also lit the baptismal font on fire. We did it during the children's moment. And uh, we did it during the children's moment because I wanted to make sure that they understood. They understand baptism. My mm-hmm. kids understand baptism. And that makes me really happy. I said, I said, what does baptism mean? And they say that, that God loves whoever's being baptized. And I said, great. I said, why do we use water? And they said, well, water is everywhere. So it's like God's love. So they get it. Right. And then I said, well, that's all true. And in baptism, we also recognize that not only is everybody loved by God, but everybody is called by God. And so it's not just about that kind of warm fuzzy that you feel when you know that somebody cares about you. It's also about the fire in your belly that will get you out the door to care about other people too. So when we recognize that baptism is both both kind of a status and also a call mm-hmm. that 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 is the full meaning of baptism and then i let lit the baptismal font on fire and my trustees love me <laughs> and and the kids were like whoa and two-thirds of the congregation was like that is so cool and the other third of the congregation was like i've done that on boy scout camps yeah. <laughs> so, and so you know what you're gonna do but um i think it's important for us you know, at the end of a podcast, at the end of a worship service to recognize this is not the end of the story for the week. This is the fire in your belly that takes you back out into the world to, to speak the truth. Uh, you are not an accident. God created you on purpose, whether you are an 
an Amazonian warrior or an artist or a scientist or a helper or a builder, uh, whatever role you play during the week, mother, father, sister, brother, friend, um, that you have the opportunity to speak the truth and not to shy away from that, um, to recognize that that is both um, a blessing and a call. So I hope that this week you will speak the truth. You'll speak the truth about yourself. You'll speak the truth about other people. And you'll speak the truth about our world. Because whatever you believe about Pentecost and about what that looked like, the question is, how will you choose to live into your own skin this week? How will you love? How will you listen? How will you serve? How will you seek justice? Maybe you slept in, but now it's time to wake up and get moving. <laughs>